there somewhere working on the scriptures. That they've never had it in their language before. There, there are some teachers that have been patiently teaching them about what, chronologically walking through the Old Testament, but they haven't yet gotten to Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Kind of like the folks in Sub Peppa Village just a couple months ago. Just a couple months ago. And then Mike and Libby Wild and their boys and Pooh, our Wano brother, got to Jesus with them. And they were able to hear the gospel for the first time. Or maybe there's somebody on your street next door to you who would end up in hell for eternity if Jesus came back right now. So as I was thinking these thoughts, I, I realized, you know, we've got some work to do in 2020. We as Christ's church, we, we long for him to come, but we've got, some, we've got some work to do. Matthew 24, 14 says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end shall come. So we've got a job to do. So how then should we live in 2020? This is something that we elders and even the deacons helped us with. We got together at our retreat and discussed what should our focus be as a church for 2020. We've got one word that answers that question, that sums it up. It's the word boldly. Boldly. We want to live boldly. Our, our church's theme for 2020 is knowing him and making him known boldly. Now some of you are hearing that and you're like, you betcha. You know, um, here's a water pistol. I want you to charge the gates of hell. And you're like, I'm gone. I'm there. Charge. And then maybe there's some others of you that are kind of standing there with your water pistol. And you're kind of looking at those people at their backsides as they're charging. And you're thinking, well, let's think this through. Um, maybe we need a water cannon, not a water pistol. Right? Well, regardless of your personality, whether you're a charge the gates of hell with a water pistol sort of person, or whether you're maybe a little more, what's the word, reflective of a person. I want us to stop and think about boldness. Okay? And, and, and what is boldness anyway? And as we think about that, I'm actually going to share with you three things that boldness is not, that I hope... We'll, 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 we'll help you wrap your mind around a biblical concept of boldness. Okay, so the, the first thing that boldness is not, and I'm going to be very brief about this. Boldness is not unkindness. Okay, boldness is not the same as unkindness. You don't have to be mean to be bold. Going around leaving a wake of emotional destruction in your path. That, that's not... What we mean by boldness. Some people think of it that way. Hey, I'm just being bold. Just saying it how it is. Okay. Uh, I'm just a bull in a china shop. That, that's not what biblical boldness is meant to be. It is not unkindness. Second, boldness is not the absence of fear. This is where I think some modern concepts of, of boldness breaks down, you know, as if some people are just born with boldness with that gene. 
and others are not. And that's just, you know, you just are the way you are. I'm just a timid person or I'm just a, a bold person. Webster defined bold as, and it, I went back to the, like, the 1828 Webster's definition. I find those to be more helpful than the modern ones that pop up when you Google it. Um, Webster defined bold as daring, as courageous, brave, intrepid, fearless, applied to men and other animals as bold as a lion, end quote. And honestly, I didn't find that super helpful. I'll tell you why in a minute. Um, he also defines courage as the ability to do something that you know is difficult or dangerous. I, I found that as a little more helpful. Okay. Um, I, I really like John Wayne's definition. I, I got this from Bob Huskin. He walked up to me on a Saturday morning and showed me his mug. Courage is being, yes, coffee mug, thank you. Uh, courage is being scared to death. Did you get that? The Duke, listen up. By the way, this is in your notes in case you forget it. And I'm just trusting everybody here is mature enough spiritually to know that I know that John Wayne isn't equal to like scripture, okay. Um, but here's what he said. Courage is being scared to death but saddling up anyways. Courage is being scared to death but doing what God is calling you to do anyhow. We read the stories of bold men and women of the faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Just a great chapter of courage and boldness and, and faith. And we get to verse 32 through 34 of Hebrews chapter 11. And we read, what more shall I say? For time would fail to tell me of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign enemies to flight. And, and I read this and I wonder, were, were these heroes of the faith ever afraid? Were they ever scared? And I can tell you the answer I don't even have to just use my imagination because I can go to Psalm 69 and, and tell you the answer is yes, they were afraid. David cried out in fear to God in the Psalms numerous times. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. Jesus, the, the greatest hero ever, was Jesus not afraid in the Garden of Gethsemane as his sweat actually produced drops of, of blood. Something that doctors say is a, is a sign of great stress and distress. And yet Jesus went through with his mission. And he accomplished our salvation on, on the cross. Was Paul, the great apostle to the Gentiles, was he ever afraid, do you think? Well, you know, when we read like the very last verse of the book of Acts, right? I mean, here's Paul in house arrest in Rome, having gone through shipwreck and stoning and all kinds of other, you know, afflictions here. So now here he is in house arrest, the very last verse of the book of Acts, Acts 28, 31. Here's what he does, right, with his house arrest. 
proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So it's, it's easy for us to imagine, well, this guy, Paul, man, he had the Holy Spirit so powerfully he was never afraid. And yet, we know that he didn't always feel the absence of fear. He didn't always feel bold. In his famous chapter on spiritual warfare, Ephesians 6, Paul asked the Ephesian Christians to pray for him that he would be bold with the gospel. You don't ask for things unless you recognize you, you need them. Ephesians 6, 18 and 19, he says, To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Consider this prayer of the early church. You know, our, our heroes of the faith, right? As, as they were threatened with bodily harm and persecution, if they would keep proclaiming the gospel. Acts 4, 29-31. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your Holy Spirit, or your Holy Servant Jesus. And when they had prayed... The place in which they gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. That was their prayer to God, that he would give them boldness. And I love how God just gave them a little earthquake just to remind them that he was with them. His spirit was in them. You know, I, I often think of, of fear and, and faith as like being in a boxing match. I find myself time and again in that boxing match. Trusting God. Wanting to step out in faith and, and obey Him. And, and yet having to fight fear. And, and fear itself isn't necessarily the, the enemy. It's, it's what I'll call the spirit of fear. I mean, God gave us fear to protect us, right? I mean, that's why you strap on a parachute when you jump out of an airplane. Or you use a car seat, right? It's for protection, Right? Um, there, there are a lot of inventions that have happened because of a proper application of fear. But the spirit of fear is that icy cold grip that Satan would use to try to strangle faith out of your heart and to keep you from obeying Christ and, and believing him and, and doing what he's calling you to do. So it's the spirit of fear that's the enemy. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So boldness, it's not the absence of fear. It's facing that fear and doing the right thing. Standing for Christ, obeying for Christ, even though you may be afraid. Pastor Crawford Loritz wrote, Nothing in life or in ministry ever happens apart from courage. Somebody has to pull the trigger. The very nature of leadership is that it is a prophetic statement of where things ought to be. Courage doesn't mean that I'm not afraid. It means that I fear God more than I fear my environment. 
It means that I trust in divine resources more than the resources of man. Don't ask for tasks equal to your powers. Ask for powers equal to your tasks. End quote. So boldness is not unkindness. Boldness is not the absence of fear. And boldness, and I hope you'll really listen up for this third thing that boldness is not. This is actually how I'm going to just define it for you. Boldness is not the status quo. What is the status quo in your life? Boldness is the opposite of the status quo. Here's what I mean. I have neighbors who don't know Christ. That's the status quo. And that's not okay. I, I shouldn't go on about my life as, is, as if that is how it's always going to be. Okay? Maybe some of you have kids who don't know the Lord. And, and what can happen over time, we can kind of get it into our minds that this is just how it's going to be. And I'm going to stop fighting. I'm going to stop praying. I'm going to stop laboring towards an end because it's just the status quo. Right? We're going to unpack that more these next several weeks. We're going to talk about giving boldly and praying boldly and sharing the gospel boldly. But it's not okay that our neighbors don't know Jesus. It's not okay if the status quo is a habitual sin that I'm stuck in. Okay, it's, it's, it's not okay to say, well, you know what, I have a problem with, with lying, uh, trying to make myself look better in other people's eyes, maybe it's insecurity, whatever, but it's just a hab habitual sin I have, uh, or lust, and this is just how it's going to be. Okay, that's the status quo. Broken relationships, a bad marriage, uh, it, I, my, my relationship with my father is just always going to be bad. And I just got to kind of, you know, readjust my expectations and, 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 and just kind of move along that status quo. No, that is not boldness. Boldness is taking on and, and attacking and fighting the status quo. The status quo is that there are entire people groups out there today without the gospel. And, and, and we need to say that is not okay with us. That is not okay. He's given us a mission to accomplish. And so we're, we're going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my prayers and, and I'm going to put my, my time into going out there. And, and man, that's what we're trying to do. I mean, we're, I'm excited that we're sending a team to Zambia to work with the walkers, right? I'm excited that we're sending a, 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 a team in just next month, um, including my wife. And I say that I'm not exactly excited. I kind of am excited. I'm kind of not excited. Okay. I mean, we kids, we're going to have to we're going to have to survive together. This is not the status quo for us, let me tell you. I have no problem taking off and going anywhere pretty much. But man, sending my wife, um, I'm not so scared about something happening to her. I mean, I pray it won't. But I'm, I'm scared about, you know, are we going to survive? <laughs> Team going off to Chiang Mai to, to minister to three of our, three of our missionary families going through a conference, you know, we've got several ladies in the church actually right now who are planning just on their own to go and spend some time with Julie Hamilton uh, next year. Praise the Lord. We want to do this to, so that we can help our, our M's get the 
gospel to the nations. I, I, I'm proud of you guys for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Um, we, you, you know, four years ago, I think we gave just under $5,000. And, and, um, and uh, you guys gave over 25000 this last month. Praise the Lord. Let's, we're going the right direction on that. You know, it's not okay that there are people out there who've never had a chance to hear the gospel. So how can we live boldly? Well, as my brother and pastor Bart read, Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. So I'm going to, fr from that, just kind of breaking that, that one line down, okay, I'm going to give you four ways, four ways I'd like to challenge you this year to seek to live boldly. Is boldness something that we can just kind of muster from within or, you know, you know repeat it to yourself a hundred times and suddenly you're going to become more brave? All right, I mean, how do you become more boldly? And you, you, you grammar people can correct me later, but I'm going to keep saying boldly, 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 instead of bold, just because I like it better. Well, number one, confess your sin to God daily. Confession of sin leads to boldness. Now, how is that? Well, the wicked flee when no one pursues. Well, why? Why, why do the wicked run away when there's no one chasing them? John Piper explains how a bad conscience creates fear. Here's what he wrote in regards to that very text I just read. What is it about the wicked that makes them so often flee in the presence of justice when no one is pursuing? We can answer that question from our own experience and from biblical examples. The answer is a bad conscience. When you see a police car ahead... Is your response one of confidence and peace, or is it one of fear and avoidance, even when he has no intention to pursue you? Does the way that you play basketball or soccer or football have anything to do with how you feel when a whistle blows, even when it's not blowing for you? Do you ever start defending yourself in a conversation before anyone even criticizes you of something? We flee when we're not even being pursued because we have a bad conscience. There are enough stored up bad things we've done that a voice inside tells us someone is after us even when they're not. Guilt is the parent of fear. Our conscience creates the pursuer that ought to be there even when he is not there. End quote. Now if you want to think of an example of someone in the Bible actually a couple in the Bible, that were fleeing when no one was pursuing them, you needn't read far. Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve had just committed mankind's first act of rebellion by eating the fruit of the tree. And, and suddenly their eyes were open to the knowledge of good and evil and they realized that they were naked. And so their first instinct was to cover themselves and when they heard the Lord walking in the garden not not pursuing them as a as a ravaging lion right not even coming to destroy them but just their friend who they were made to have a relationship with God coming in the garden what did they do 
they fled. They, they hid themselves. John Piper writes, Never before did Adam have to flee at the arrival of God. And now he flees when no one is pursuing. Why? Because his conscience condemns him. And he hears this condemnation in every breeze that blows, in every creak in the door, in every whistle on the field. He sees it in every shadow, in every flashing light, and he feels it in the presence of God. Well, brothers and sisters, here's the good news of the gospel. That is, Christ died for sinners like you and like me. Romans 5.8. We, we spent a lot of time in Romans 5 last year. Romans 5.8. Never allow yourself to tire of the gospel. But God shows his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is just one poor sinner pointing other poor sinners to the Savior. Uh, we, every day, every day, I have to confess my sin to God. I don't get saved over again, right? There's, there's one time in your life in which, uh, that moment of first faith in which God gives you a new heart, but the, the life of the Christian is daily repentance and faith because it's about daily relationship with God. And so the good news of the gospel is no matter what you did last year or last night, if you confess your sin to him, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness. And the blood of Christ is so beautiful and powerful that it, it, it can cleanse you such that the very next second your relationship with God can be restored. So you need not fear him or, or run from him or, or be weighed down by that guilty conscience. The truth is that you are not going to be bold for Christ with your neighbor if you're compartmentalizing a guilty conscience. Okay? If, if, there, if there's an area of sin that is not confessed, that you're just kind of trying to bury it under the rug, you know what? You are not going to be bold. Because, you're not, you're, because your relationship with him is going to be hindered. His spirit won't be flowing through you, giving you that boldness. You're only going to know lukewarmity, which we know that God doesn't care for. So brothers and sisters, confess your sins to him daily. So boldness for Christ starts with a clean conscience before God. The good news is that's available to you, Christian. Every moment of your life, it's available to you. And it, it continues that boldness and it strengthens through a relationship with him. And that leads us to the second point, the second C here, if you will. And that is cultivate your relationship with Christ. Confess your sin to God daily and, and daily cultivate your relationship with Jesus. You must know him if you're going to make him known boldly with your life. The righteous are as bold as a lion. And we need to get right here. We need to remember right here that, that this righteousness, it's not our own. It's Christ's righteousness. So boldness comes from justification. You could say the justified are as bold as a lion. Those who have trusted in Jesus, right, and, and, and have, have put all of their faith in him that he purchased your forgiveness, your salvation, your, 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 
your righteousness even. You not only have your guilt removed, but you have his righteousness imputed, given to you as a gift. And so when God looks at you, Christian, he sees the righteous who lived by faith. And so the righteous are bold. Those who know him, those who have a relationship with him are bold. In Acts chapter 4, verse 13, we, we read about Peter and John. And, the, and, and those who, actually those who were opposed to them. We read in verse 13, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They weren't bold because of, of their qualifications or all of their study, right? Or even their own gravitas. They were bold because they had been with Jesus for three years. Living with Jesus. Spending time daily with Jesus. So Christian, you want to be bold? You've got to spend time with Jesus. I don't think I know any effective evangelists who don't spend a lot of personal time with Jesus. Dads, do you want to instill confidence of faith in your kids? I mean, I do. I want, I want my kids to not just know about Jesus. I want them to know Jesus. I want them to be confident in their faith. Well, is that what you want for your kids? Then dads and moms, let your kids see you spending time with Jesus. Let them see you having a quiet time every day. Let them see you with your Bible open, reading, delighting in, in prayer. Okay, I mean, lead by example. Courage comes from confidence of faith in Jesus. Paul writes in Ephesians 3.12, about Christ, he says, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Now this last week as I was, as I was preparing this message and, and, and thinking about some future messages, I went back to one of those famous boldness texts, Joshua chapter 1, right, in verse 9. Three times God tells Joshua, only be bold and courageous. Right? Uh, this was something that, that Joshua needed to hear again and again. And, and we see here, in, in, he ends it in verse 9, after he gives him a, a very clear mission. And we're going to talk about that mission here in a couple weeks. Right? To take ground. To, to claim territory for God. Uh, a, a mission that he's given us. We're going to look at that. Okay? In a couple weeks. But he says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. For the Lord your God is with you. God's presence is what gives us courage. David wrote, For you save a humble people, but the haughty eyes you bring down. For it is by you, it is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. Cultivate your relationship with Christ. And then 
Number three, and this isn't as important as number one and two, but it's still important. That is, carve out time to spend with lions. What I mean there is, spend time with bold Christians, because they'll rub off on you. Build space and, and time in your life for authentic Christian discipleship. And encourage others in boldness through being genuine in discipleship relationships with other people. So let me, I, I just want to encourage all of you uh, as we look at our new year. If you're, if you're not involved in, a, in, a, in real discipleship with other Christians, your faith was not meant to be alone. Okay, Join a life group. Talk to T-Bill, Bill Turner over there. Where's Bill? Right here. You know Bill. Um, guy who gave announcements this morning, right? Um, drummer guy. Um, talk to him, all right? Uh, he'll help connect you with a life group. And, and if you're in a life group, maybe you've been in a life group forever. And, and, and let me encourage you in your life groups to be transparent. Let people into your life so that you can really pray for each other and stoke up. Christian boldness and courage in each other's lives. Some of the sisters and brothers in our church are doing some other things, something called microgroups, where, where three or four get together. Uh, that is great. And an advantage of that, too, is that you can even go deeper in terms of transparency often and confessing sin and, and like covering each other in prayer as sisters and, and brothers and and, and so if you're interested in something like that, um, talk to the Brincies. Put your hands up there. Talk to this fine couple right here, and they will try to help connect you with some other like-minded folks where maybe you get together once a week at a restaurant or something and, and just for an hour and talk about life and being a Christian in an increasingly hostile world and, and, and being bold as lions. How to, how to be offensive, uh, offensive in the right way, taking offense and not... Defense, offensive, kindly offensive is what I mean. Maybe you need to get to know some new Christians in the new year. You know, my favorite kind of lion is the quiet type. The type of lion that the more you get to know them, the more you see their boldness. Maybe they don't wear it on their sleeve and brag. But the more you get to know them, you see a quiet confidence. And a boldness. This is what I, this is what I love about my wife. Um, get to know new people. I, I hope that every one of you are in the habit of, of greeting visitors when they come to church. Guests. Making them feel like guests. Um, let me just give you a challenge here. Uh, don't leave this building today without having said hi to somebody you don't know. Maybe you've been a member at Rocky for several years and you don't know everybody's name and that's okay. Um, we've got a cool app for that, by the way, um, uh, that, that we elders pray through and that really helps us. Um, but, but you know what? Before you leave today, make, make it your ambition that I'm going to say hello and have a conversation with somebody that I don't know. Maybe a guest. Maybe you're not sure and so that makes it awkward for you, you know, because, you know, if you're like me, you've gone up and said things like, uh, man, it's great to have you with us. And I, I did this just a few weeks ago and someone told me, yeah, uh, I was like, is this your first time? And he's like, yeah, I've been here for a couple weeks or a couple months, actually, he said. I'm like, ah, great. And, and yeah, now I talked to you for 10 minutes last week. <laughs> uh, that's when you're like, all right, um, getting a little old here. Um, senior moment. So 
hey, if, if I can be that much of a knucklehead, so can you. Um, talk to people you don't know, but let's be a place of, of, of warmth and koinonia. And you might just meet a lion that would encourage your boldness and your walk with the Lord. Our evangelism team has a vision that they're going to be sharing soon with you for something that they're calling 6 plus 2. And the idea here is to help foster discipleship and relationships within the church while also helping us reach out to our neighbors. So the idea is for three families that maybe don't really know each other that well to get together and to host a, 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 a neighbor. And that might sound kind of crazy, but what an awesome opportunity, right? And then, and then the next month you go, so basically you're in it together for three months, right? I think I said that right. Maybe it's four months. Can't remember. Three or four months. You're, you're in it together with these three families. Once a month you get together and you have a meal and you, build a, you get to know each other. You build a deeper relationship, but you're doing it with someone who's also a neighbor and hopefully unchurched. And here's an opportunity for them to enter into some, some Christian fellowship and, and to, to see Christ in your lives, in your home. Carve out time to spend with Lions. That might be a biography that you read. Read biographies. I encourage you to find bi biographies of, of bold Christians can do much to encourage us in our faith. I remember as a young man, um, first dipping my feet into the world of missions, um, and I spent about a year, uh, most of that time, in the jungle of Mindanao in the Philippines. And I, I'd been mentored by Bob Tebow, but he, he kind of turned me loose with some of his local church planters, and so we were hiking through the jungle weeks on end in some pretty remote parts of Mindanao, and, and so, you know, everything that I had to live was on my back, in a backpack, um, and I, so I had my Bible, back then we didn't have iPhones with all kinds of books, so I had my Bible, and I had a biography of David Livingston that uh, Sean Mitchell, a, den a dentist in our area, had, had lent to me. It was actually an out-of-print biography, and I read that over and over, and it was awesome. Um, learning from, from the boldness and the faith of this missionary who had feet of clay. Okay, he, he wasn't perfect. But, but I mean, I, you know, what I loved about the biography I was reading was that, that big sections of it were just letters that he had written to his kids back in, back in England. And, and so when, when I came back to America, that, that book really meant a lot to me. Um, I had to give it back to Sean. I was kind of hoping he would say, no, I'll keep it. But he didn't. And so I, I got online to see if I could order it. And it was out of print. And it was like 300-something bucks uh, on Amazon to, to, from somebody, you know, who knew it was out of print. And so I was too cheap uh, and too poor to, to afford it there. Until years later, Beth and I were in a bookstore in St. Augustine. And I found it for like two bucks. You know, no one thought, you know, it was one man's junk another man's treasure. You know, so now I've got that at home. Um, that biography. Read biographies of bold Christians for inspiration. You know, Paul was able to inspire other people, other brothers, by his example in boldness. We read in Philippians 1.14, he said, and most of the brothers, having been confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So get to know other lions. And number four, condition yourself courage. You ever been to a, a zoo and 
watched a lion in a zoo, what'd you see? Probably laziness. You probably saw a lion laying around doing nothing, just being fed and kind of wasting its life away. Well, don't be a lazy lion. You've got to train yourself in order to live boldly. Now, you don't do it through your own strength, right? That starts with repentance and relationship with God and relationships with others. But there's intentionality. No one just gets off the couch and, and runs a triathlon. You have, to, you have to train for it. Bravery begets bravery. Small acts of courage lead to greater acts of courage. So, so you've got to plan for boldness. And you've got to pray for boldness. Maybe in the moments in which you don't even need it, knowing that they will come often at inopportune times. Therefore, you wouldn't need boldness otherwise, right? So pray for boldness. Plan for it. And when the moment comes, just purpose to be bold. To, to do it. In other words, don't give in to the habit of acquiescing to small fears. That can very quickly become habitual. Young people, you need to take the word quit out of your vocabulary. Especially those of you who are about to go off to college. Don't ever quit. That can very quickly become habitual. If you struggle with a small fear, confront it in the name of Jesus. Overcome that fear with his help. So train across all sectors of your life for boldness. And by that I mean physical sectors, emotional sectors, spiritual sectors. I, I haven't known many spiritual giants who weren't also physically willing to get outside their comfort zones. So if, if, if that's a struggle for you, whatever your comfort zone may be, attack that bubble. Get outside your comfort zone. Young men and women, it takes courage to stand for truth against peer pressure. Fathers, it takes spiritual, it takes courage to, to, to really step up and, and take spiritual leadership of your, of your families. To... To be the one to, to say, let's read God's word together tonight. Mothers, it takes courage to share the gospel, not just with your kids, but with your neighbors. All of us, church members, it takes courage to make things right with a, a brother or a sister, whether that means confessing sin or whether that means confronting of sin in love. It takes courage to forgive boldly, to receive forgiveness Boldly, like you really believe it. We all need courage to fight the spiritual battles that God has called us to fight. My prayer, brothers and sisters, is that we would pray boldly, that we would give boldly, that we would share the gospel boldly. We're going to talk about that these next few weeks. But my ultimate prayer for, for each of you this week and this year is that you... And that, that me, that I, will live for Christ boldly. Meaning that we will be quick to say that we are Christians. Not putting our light under baskets. Being very quick in our jobs and in our social relationships outside the church to identify as Christians. 
Okay, it, 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 in, this, in this day and age, it takes, sometimes it takes a lot of wisdom, even, even shrewdness to know when is the right time to, to get into a gospel type conversation. Okay, there, there's a need in the military, there's a need in the schools to be as wise as a, as a serpent, right? But everybody that you work with should know you're a Christian. That, that should be your base common denominator. Everybody should, if, 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 if there's even a question in anyone's mind, something's not right, you haven't been living boldly, okay? Everybody should know that you are a Christian, that you're, that's who you are. That's your core. That's your nest that comes out of you. It should be Christ, right? So be quick. I pray that you will all be quick just to say, I'm a Christian. It takes boldness to stand for Christ morally, Youth, that is hard. To stand, even if everybody else is doing something that's not pleasing to Christ, to stand morally for him. And you know what? It's not just youth. It's adults. You know what? It's pastors. It's going to get harder, too. All kinds of crazy things going on out there. LGBT issues. Even pro-life issues. Are we willing to stand for Christ morally? And then my prayer is that we would step out in faith this year boldly. Maybe for some time now, you've been sensing the Holy Spirit whispering to you, calling you to do something radical this year. And you can come up with some reasons not to. But if you're honest, it's fear. It's not Christ saying no, holding you back. I pray that this year you will step out in faith boldly. Bow with me. As I pray, I'd like to invite the, um, those who lead us in, in worship and also our deacons who will be serving us communion to, to come forward. Heavenly Father, you've given us the beautiful promise of Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Lord, I pray that you would equip us to live boldly this year. Not for our glory, but for yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.